It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And for the final time this BYU football season, good afternoon, Cougar Nation. Welcome to the Coordinator's Corner here at JCW's in Provo. I am Greg Rubel visiting today with BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach Ty Detmer in half hour number one. Special teams coordinator Ed Lamb coming up in the second half hour. BYU heading off to Hawaii later this week to end the season. A season that's gone to 3-9 and nine so far after a 16-10 uh, to 10 home loss uh, to UMass this past weekend. Coach Detmer with me now. And uh, Ty, after a nice step forward at, at UNLV, bit of a step back against uh, UMass. You didn't see that coming, obviously. Looking back on it, uh, what are your post-game reflections? Well, we knew they were going to bring pressure and uh, try to, you know, test Joe and, and see freshman quarterback under under blitz. And, uh, you know, we just got out to a slow start. And, uh, you know, we we didn't uh, execute real well early in the game. And so it's three to nothing at half. And, and then we come out and, uh, you know, just kind of stubbed our toe. We had some opportunities with field position and didn't take advantage of those. Had some sacks, I think seven sacks. Uh, really Allowed. Kind of yeah. put you put you back uh behind the, the chains and uh we uh we just didn't play well enough to get the win our defense played really well uh, a couple of the turnovers we had four four interceptions so that that uh doesn't help either and uh, our defense played well and, and stood up and and uh, I thought played well enough for us to win, and, and unfortunately we didn't offensively. Now, sacks had not been the issue uh, this season. In fact, you came into the game fourth nationally in fewest tackles for loss allowed. They get you seven times. But right after the game, their coach Whipple said, we definitely wanted to see how a freshman did under some heat. Yeah, uh, I think if you watch the UC or UNLV game, um, there was you know minimal pressure, and, and uh, he was able to kind of you know make his reads and, and get the ball out, and we ran the ball well, so that took the pressure off of him, and that that's, that's kind of what I was anxious about going into the game was we knew we'd see pressure and, and how would we react to that. And uh, not just him, but um, offensive line-wise, running back-wise, everybody has a hand in protection. You know, there were times where we had it protected and Joe stepped up through protection and, and uh, took a couple sacks that way. So, you know, it's not usually just you know, one area uh, of the team that, that gives up sacks. It's a combination of everybody. And so um, I think, you know, he learned a lot from that game. As, as the game went on and we got into our hurry up, I thought he settled in a little better, slowed down a little bit for him. Um, just He was really kind of antsy and wound up, you see, with the high throws to start the game. Yeah. And, and we went through our reads a little too quick on uh, on things. And, and so, I, you know, I thought, Towards the end of the game, he kind of settled down and, and played the game, and, and we ended up putting the drive together late, but by then it was a little too late for it. Um, but uh, there's some good things on there, too. I thought he, he threw the deep ball really accurately, gave us some opportunities, and we didn't make some plays that we had opportunities on down the field that maybe changed the game uh, early for us. And um, So, you know, we, uh, we're going to see a similar type of defense this week with some pressure, and I'm sure they'll watch the film and, and figure uh, they'll test him and see if he's made corrections. With your quarterbacks, do you review every snap after a particular game together in a room and just kind of go through it play-by-play? Uh, we do. Um, I think it's good for the other quarterbacks to hear the coaching points, and, and uh, we type the notes on there. And so they, they have them for the weekend. And uh, so, we're yeah, we uh, try to learn from each other and uh, and 
you know, the guy that's playing, that's the guy that's got to ultimately learn the most, but the other guys can learn from either their mistakes or their good plays as well. What was maybe Joe's feedback after the game and then the review of the game? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he was down, obviously, after the game, felt like he could have played better. And uh, same, you know, going into the film uh, this morning, he had he'd watched it over the weekend and, and uh, you know, was ready for uh, kind of the, the feedback from uh, from my comments and and so uh, he was good you know he's he knows that there's a learning process here and and he you know really upbeat after practice today that hey coach I'm you know I'm gonna learn from it I'm gonna work harder and and uh, those are the things you want to hear beyond what he saw defensively from game one to game two what else was different maybe in this play from UNLV to uh, to UMass well I you know I may have been a little aggressive myself thinking uh, you know he was gonna be ready after week one a little more so for week two and so we uh you know we came out wanted to be aggressive and and throw the ball early and and uh had some opportunities had some guys open that we misfired on but um so you know i I may have abandoned the run game a little early in the second half as well with you know we got to get a couple scores here and and uh two scores down we you know we needed to kind of pick up the pace of play a little bit so uh probably that that more than anything, we, we threw a little bit more at him just with all their man coverage and their pressures. We formationed a little bit more and, and uh, you know, probably a little more for him to look at and to yeah. filter through as well. So I probably could have helped him out a little bit more on that stuff, but at the same time felt like we needed to scheme him a little bit to, to give us a chance as well outside. So you've hit it pretty well there. You threw on, on five of your first six snaps, threw 45 times on the day, and you thought that it was there for you. Uh, a more aggressive game plan could have fit for him, you thought. Yeah, I mean, we knew they'd be seven in the box, a lot of single high safety, safeties involved in the run game, and so uh, we, I felt like going in we were going to have to throw it a little more, and, and with the man coverage and things, it would make the run game a little tougher. Um, and so uh, we knew that was kind of the case going in, and that was the apprehension uh, kind of all week was, how okay, how are we going to react to it, and are we going to be able to make enough plays in the pass game to keep them honest in the run game? The picks were all different, uh, really. Not, oh, I'd like to get your thoughts on these two, but uh, the first one's kind of an overthrow uh, to Matt. Uh, the second one, nose tackle bats up a ball that's picked off by a linebacker. Third one is is through Matt's hands on a high ball near the goal line, close to being a touchdown. And then the last one kind of hit as he throws, maybe took enough off it that it didn't get to Aquila and it gets picked off. That's how kind of I saw it. How do you view the four picks? Yeah, the uh, the first one was uh, a lot like the one uh, to Aquila later where he just kind of got stuck on a read and then rushed the throw. And, and you know, Matt was covered and... and uh, you know, the, the tip balls are kind of bad luck um, at times. You know, there's some of those things you can't control. And then the one to Bushman was fourth down, fourth and 20, 20 I think. 20, and, yeah. and you got to give a guy a chance. And I thought he put it in a good spot, give a tall guy a, an opportunity, and it just went off his fingertips. And and that's really a turnover on downs in my book. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't and really. And you actually got the ball back in better shape following the next sequence. But, <laughs> yeah, uh... it would been nice to have a touchdown <laughs> yeah. and you do give us points. a chance yeah. for a score yeah. uh, to win the game at the end. But. Um, you know, so a couple couple bad reads, couple bad breaks. Um, you know, and, and the the two, you know, that I felt he forced in there were the one to Matt and the one to Akile on the sideline, where he wanted to work there and it was covered, and he just kind of hung on it and, and tried to stick with it instead of get off and go through your progression. Same with the one that to Matt that was a little high, and and that's part of being young and kind of you know, okay, I know I, I think I'm going to have it, and then I don't. I got to be able to to reset my feet and get off to the next option.
Meantime, uh, both Joe and Matt make a nice play on the touchdown. You guys score late. Uh, Joe puts it in a good spot, and Matt does a good uh, good job to shed the defender and get in a position to use his height to make a grab. Yeah, um, you know, that's a matchup we like going into the game. And, and uh, you know, I, I praised all, all of our, our guys on offense that we battled all the way to the end of the game. You know, we scored with 55 seconds left or so and, and uh, give us a chance for an onside kick. But, you know, it would have been easy for guys to kind of shut it down and kind of go through the motions the last uh, the last series, you know, being starting on our own 10. and and But, you know, the receivers ran hard. We made a couple plays in there that uh, gave us an opportunity to, to score and to potentially get an onside kick and maybe have a chance to win it late. All right, UMass did win it by a score of 16-10, to 10, BYU on to Hawaii. We'll talk a bit about the Rainbow Warriors later in the program. We'll get your questions for Ty with the hashtag CCBYU. That's hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. This is the Coordinator's Corner, live at JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football, Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And welcome back into JCW's for the Coordinator's Corner. Greg Rubel with Ty Detmer, first half hour. Ed Lamb coming up in our second half hour of the show, our final half hour of the season. It's our 13th and final Coordinator's Corner as BYU ends the season coming up at uh, Hawaii playing in Honolulu on the weekend. Coach Detmer with me now. And you talked in the first segment, Ty, about maybe going away from the run game a little bit too early in hindsight. But you had uh, Squally back off his big game at UNLV. And you got K.J. Hall back, which uh, which helped the running back core. You did lose him late, of course. But uh, Squally has been a bright spot for you guys, especially uh, late in the season. He has. He's run hard and, uh, you know, run through tackles and uh, gives us kind of a a downhill burst uh, through the hole that, um, you know, we've been really pleased with the last few weeks. Now, he didn't do anything necessarily wrong in that game. Uh, there, there was a sun ball that he had a tough time with. That was really, yeah. I mean, it was right it was on the right, angle. You know yeah, the angle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bad, so. Otherwise, he played pretty well. He did. He had a good game. Um, you know, he ran ran well, ran hard. We knew there would be some bumps uh, in the run game where they slant or twist into a, a run. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the... The thought going in is we, we needed, if we were going to run it, we needed to be patient and, and hopefully we could, you know, get a lead and then be able to pound it a little more. And, and uh, unfortunately, second half kind of got out of that with uh, playing catch up a little bit. But um, he played well, and, and uh, I know he's excited for this last one. And KJ's had a rough go just being in and out of the lineup all year. Yeah, KJ, you know, brings a spark in the past game where he's a, you know, a, a very viable receiver for us. And uh, unfortunately, you know, he went down late, late there in the fourth quarter with uh, looked like a knee sprain, and we're kind of waiting to get the final prognosis on it. But um, you know, he's uh, he's been a spark for us in the run game, pass game, kind of, you know, that all around back for us. It was a cool day. Sunny but cool, felt like real football weather. Uh, and, and you've been in you've been in NFL cities late in the year where it gets cold. Uh, for being cold, it wasn't too un, unpleasant though. It was a sunny afternoon for you. All. No, I thought it was perfect for the players. You know, they uh, when they're out there running around for the coaches, you're standing on the sideline. Uh, had to put the little windbreaker on to, to block the little bit of breeze that there was, but it was a perfect day in Provo. It'll be a little nicer in Honolulu on Saturday. Challenges of playing in the islands. You've been there over. You've been over there enough to know what it's like. You've taken some really good BYU teams over there and uh, they'll always get up for the cougars no matter what kind of season they're having they do they uh you know they give us a little bit of what we saw last week with uh, umass they pressure and, and blitz and come from different areas and different angles and uh so you know that'll be another tough test for us but they do uh, get up for byu there and it's the last game of the season uh, i'm sure they want to send their seniors out on on the 
right note um, as we had hoped to this last week. But, um, you know, that's always been a tough battle for us with uh, playing in the evening, which is, you know, a three-hour time difference. And then, uh, you know, the the humidity and and all those things. And I'm even seeing maybe a forecast or a chance of rain Saturday. So uh, we're all going over there hoping for better weather and we might get rained on and a little cooler. So. But whatever the conditions are, we got to go play, and, and they do too. They didn't show a lot in Logan on the weekend. They lost 38 nothing. but uh, they've had their struggles in the mountain time zone historically. You'll expect them to be a lot better in their own place. Oh, yeah, they, they get fired up at home, and, and on the road, they're they're not quite the same team with a long travel um, and then the altitude here and colder weather that they're not used to. So uh, I don't put a lot of stock into the Utah State game um, i know my senior year we played them over here and it wasn't near the same type of team as it was the previous couple of years over there where they beat us pretty good so um they you know they get fired up and they'll they'll have uh, everybody in the stands ready to go and it should be a fun atmosphere give us a sense of your schedule for the week as a team what's the appropriate mindset to take to hawaii it's not a bowl game you can't say it's like our bowl game it's really not that so what's the right way to go over there yeah it's uh, another road game another chance for us to to finish the season on a high note um you know allow some of these other younger players that they uh they get another opportunity to to prove that they can make it and uh and be a player for us down the down the road so um it's you know we get our majority of our work done monday tuesday wednesday and then we leave and thursday is kind of a quick uh tune-up type of practice friday more of a walk through and uh jog through and then uh we play the game so uh, a lot of players have family over there, so it would be a little downtime where guys can, can visit. And uh, I'm taking my four daughters and my son-in-law and my wife over. Uh, we'll all spend Thanksgiving over there together, which will be nice. But kind of have that game hanging over your head the whole time, knowing that uh, it's still a work week for us. So with with BYU heading over in the situation you're in, uh, you're 3-9, and nine, they're 3-8. and eight. Uh, neither team really looks at it as like, uh, again, I use the race bowl game. It's really not that. But that said, Hawaii gets super up for BYU, and you'll have to be ready to face that intensity at least. Yeah, we will. It's, I mean, it's a, a big game for us, I think, you know, to, to end it the right way and to send our seniors out with a win here, uh, be able to, to have a more enjoyable flight home. That's a long flight, red eye back. Um, and then, you know, hopefully to kick off the off season with – with that in mind and, and uh, on a positive note, always makes things feel a little better. You, met, you mentioned a moment ago young players. Uh, at this point, you've got one game left, and Cody Wilson hasn't played yet. Because there's just one game left, do you not count on him and say you'll save a red shirt, or could you even see playing him in one game and really kind of burn a red shirt, if you will, for one game? Yeah, we had that conversation uh, this morning, actually, and uh, kind of find out what he wants to do, and, and he wants to play if, if there's an opportunity for – Maybe some extended playing time in the game. If Even it's, for one game. If it's, you know, fourth quarter and, and go in and, and uh, just either mop it up or, uh, or you know, a kind of limited playing time, I don't know if, if we want to do that with him. So um, Coy's got to be on, on deck and ready to go. Um, so, you know, it, it'll depend on how the game plays out. But um, he, he definitely wants to play, and, and, you know, he made the comment that, Having a, a redshirt year in your back pocket doesn't always hurt. You know, you, you don't have to declare that was my redshirt. That right. can just be a year that counts. So um, either way, you know, it's it's kind of nice to have a, 
a year to buffer whether you get injured or you know if you transfer and then you, you need a year to sit out because you know the rules and things it's it's kind of nice to have that extra year so either way he should have that year um, available but we'll we'll manage it as the game goes on and kind of see where we're at in the game and and the need for it at the time fair to say best case scenario joe plays plays well you don't need another quarterback and he goes all the way for you yeah that is that means uh joe's playing well and and things are going good and and uh we don't have to put a get another guy in there so um that's the best case scenario. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Our final segment of the season for Coach Tetmer, and you can uh, give us your questions for Ty at hashtag CCBYUCC for Coordinators Corner, hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. Your questions for Ty Detmer. Back with the coach on our final segment with Ty. Ed Lamb's coming up in the next half hour. This is the Coordinators Corner live at JCW's in Provo on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so with BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach Ty Detmer for a few more moments, Coach Ed Lamb on the special teams, safeties, and assistant head coach is coming up in the second half hour. We go to Cougar Nation on this final segment with Ty. Hashtag CCBYU for questions. And this first one coming in from Josh Shimizu, and he says, Ty, could you fill us in on the strength of the returning O-line, including O-line depth and recruiting for 2018? Yeah, we, we can't really talk specifics in, re- in recruiting, but we've got uh, several linemen committed right now that um, some will go on missions. A couple will stay here and, and join the group. Uh, we've got uh, a couple guys in the program that are redshirting right now that came off of missions, James MC, MP and Brady Christensen. Um, You've also got Tristan Hodge. Tristan Hodge transferred in from Notre Dame. He's here. Uh, that He's not eligible to play this year. So we feel like we've got a lot of, of good young players that there will be a, a great competition this spring for those guys to kind of find out where they're going to fit. And then uh, that should bring added depth for the next year. Uh, you know, we'll miss Tooney and, and Tijon and Kean and their experience they've had. But uh, we feel like the future is bright at that spot with uh, multiple guys that will compete for, for starting time or maybe even have some rotation in there to keep guys fresher. Those three guys you noted are the interior of the D-line, or the O-line. There hasn't been a lot of rotation this year. Coach Empey's kind of gone with his group, and fortunately for you, they've been healthy pretty much all year. Yeah, it, it helps to have that consistency that, you know, at least one of the groups has, has been pretty consistent. We, uh, you know, we've gotten uh, Kiefer Longson in there a little bit, Shannon Herring, uh, Austin Chambers. So, you know, there's there's a good core group there of young players that have just been waiting for their time, and, and uh, unfortunately... What, it's good and bad. We haven't had injuries that we've had to play them, but at the same time, it would be nice to have gotten them in more and got more some playing snaps. experience. Yeah. Uh, next question uh, coming in from at uh, TX Colonel. Uh, Ty, what hopes should fans realistically have that next year will be better? Are you looking for tweaks to the system or an overhaul? Well, I think uh, tweaks to the system. I think the experience our young players have gotten this year it will be very valuable for us. And, and you know, we'll go out as coaches, and and uh, I'm looking forward to doing some development with other other schools and see uh, just how we can kind of tweak things to give us more opportunities. Uh, you know, whether it's in the pass game or run game, and and. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're adding a few players. There's some guys that are redshirting that came off missions that will play, you know, revive for, for playing time next year. And, and we'll get some guys back. Uh, Joe Tukawafu is a guy that we had to sit out this year, uh, transferred in from 
off his mission from Utah State. So Tight end. We've got some guys in the program, and Moroni will be healthy, and, and we feel like we've got some some added depth coming and some playmakers that uh, you know we're looking forward to, to getting them on the field and seeing them and and uh, getting a, a, the whole package there healthy and, and ready to go again. So we lose very few very few players on the offensive side. So. That experience, again, with some tweaks to the system and things that we feel like we can do better, uh, will go a long way next year. Do you see going after any JUCO playmakers? Potentially. I mean, we're always looking for guys that can, you know, come in and, and add to, to BYU here on and off the field. And so, you know, we got to do our homework with those guys. But, um, yeah, that's always an option for us to try to find a guy that can, can be a playmaker, make a difference, uh, you know, Two years ago, we added, you know, Andrew Idy and Kean Norman were graduate transfers that that came in and, and really helped us. And so, uh, we're always open to to having those opportunities for guys that uh, could come in and, and make a difference for us. How about a quarterback? You've got Joe and Cody, Coy still with, and Bohod still around. Do you look to add to that group, or do you say this is our group and we're going to move forward with with these guys? We've got some young guys coming in. Jaron Hall's coming off a mission. Um, again, we've got you know other guys in the pipeline that we're recruiting. Your nephew is... Uh, um, we've got some guys yeah, in the pipeline. Yeah. I'm not allowed to speak specifics. That's right. Uh, now, have they... Have, <laughs> has he... It hasn't. Well, signing will come to you later. So we yeah, can't talk we, about his we name. We can't yeah. talk about him. Until yeah, after forget, yeah signed, he's, so. he's committed, but he hasn't signed. So we can't talk about those kind of guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and you know, possibly looking at JC, depending on you know how Tanner heals up and all those things. Um, those are you know always options as well. That you know. We're, we're exploring all opportunities right now, and, and uh, you know, we feel like guys are getting experience, but um, we also need to, to make sure we have depth after this year. That's always going to be a concern. Meantime, Joe's given you a good start uh, to, you know, to the spring or the offseason by what he's done so far, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Um, getting playing time. Uh, obviously, this, this game will be big for him. How, to, how does he rebound after you know last week's game and and where do we go from here um and so you know we're, we're anxious to kind of get going in spring ball i know uh cody's anxious to to get out there and be able to compete so you know we'll have great competition at that spot as well and and uh you know we'll see where we end up come uh first part of August. All right, uh, from Craig Hershey on the Twitter, hashtag CCBYU, what adjustments do coaches need to make to better prepare players for next season and beyond? I think our offseason will be big. Um, you know, we're already discussing how we can, you know, give them more in the offseason, uh, more scheme and, and more practice time, you know, for them uh, working on scheme. In the past, it's been a lot of uh, workouts and just getting stronger and faster and and then spring ball but um, I think as coaches we feel like we've got to give them more in the offseason more specific things to be working on and uh, they have a lot of player run practices and those types of things that um, if we can kind of outline a schedule for them going into that then uh, they can be better prepared for spring ball and we can have a faster start going into the season next year. Okay, from Ty for Ty. This from uh, at Ty Rogers 14. Ty Rogers his name. What can the coaching staff do or are doing uh, to hold on to recruits during the struggles of a season? Yeah, I think you know the conversations we've had with recruits that are committed. They're excited. I think they see an opportunity to to come in and and 
potentially contribute early, um, knowing that you know we've we've got some some work to do. So um, you know the the guys I've talked to have all been real positive and, and strong in their commitments, and and uh, we've got early signing day this year for the first time, it's December twentieth, uh, I believe. So how many guys come in then as opposed to February? Well, it just depends. I mean, we're hoping to, that all the guys that we have committed would sign then and and be locked in, and then uh, then we can you know then focus on you know some of the the numbers and and the guys that we have that are up in the air and and really uh, focus on those guys and and then they'll know which. Uh, you know who's coming in with them and, yeah. and those types of things. So it's a added bonus. The more we can sign early, the better it'll be for the whole group. Do you see the early time, the early period supplanting the later one as the most important one? Do you think does more bang happen there? I think so. Um, you know, you, you your hope is that the guys you have committed are are firmly committed, and if they're if they are committed, then they'll sign at that time, and then. Uh, and then you can figure out numbers and, and how many spots you have left after that that you need to fill. And there's always going to be, you know, some of the top recruits probably on the fence that are still uncertain or haven't committed to anyone yet that, that you're targeting that you can uh, put a little more time and effort into at that point. All right, we'll give Ty the closing comments for the year now. Your look back on, we're only 12 into 13 games here, but your look back kind of on the year and what you hope is next for BYU football on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like I said, the experience we've gotten with with some of our players, uh, you look at Micah Simon, Aleva Hefo, Matt Bushman, uh, Ula, you know, all these guys are freshmen, sophomores that uh, have really gained a lot of confidence and experience that I, I hope they can take that and become leaders of our team in the off season and and then our young linemen are, are getting bigger and stronger and and uh, they're chomping at the bit so um, you know it, it's up to us coaches to, to detail it and prepare them and, and have them ready to go because you know with our schedule we're, we're right out of the gate every year and uh, it's tough so we're you know we're gonna have to be ready to go right from the start and jump right into full game mode when we come back in August and and uh, the hope is that you know our guys are bought in they're they're a great group of young men that are willing to work and and I know we're are not happy with where we're at either and uh, we'll put the time and the effort into it to to make us go and so as us coaches we gotta we gotta have a plan ready for them and and we can you know find some some tweaks within our systems that'll help us going forward. Well, looking ahead of the offensive touchdowns BYU scored this year, none were scored or have been scored by seniors. So you bring back a lot of people to hopefully, hopefully do good things for you next year. We do. We're excited about that group. We're going to miss the guys that have been here and, and helped us along the way. But uh, as every year, you've got turnover, and, and uh, we're looking forward to the group that's coming back, and uh, they're excited as well. Well, Ty, thanks for the season here on Mondays, and good luck in Hawaii. Thanks, Rick. All right, that's Ty Detmer. Ed Lamb is next on the Coordinator's Corner here on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, thanks to Ty Detmer, BYU's OC and QB coach, for our first half hour on our last coordinator's corner of the season. Greg Rubel here now joined by BYU assistant head coach, safeties coach, and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. Ed, good to see you for a final time this year. Thanks, Greg. Uh, Does the season seem like it's uh, flown by to you or called along to you? Both. I think (laughs) it just depends the context that I'm thinking of it in. You know, on a rough season like this, we certainly want to have all the opportunities we can get to try to get things turned around and so from from that perspective it's gone so fast um in, in other ways you know it, it's uh it's been a it's been a long season um and trying on on our players and coaches 
and uh, you know, looking forward to an off season where we can um, spend those types of time times rebuilding. You know, I, I was just uh, talking to our staff a couple of days ago about um, you know that we we have a process of off season off season cut ups. We make cut ups of all of our calls, offense, defense, special teams, and go through them. And uh, it's it's so much easier to be more critical in the off season when the pressure of the impending next game is gone. And uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to that time. I think we're going to learn a lot more. Um, in the coming weeks than, than we know about ourselves already. It's a season that will end without BYU having had consecutive wins at any point in the year. And it seemed like after UNLV, there was a real good chance to, to springboard with a, with a few wins to end the year. It didn't happen. Why do you think there was the step back against UMass looking back at it? Well, we, we need to make plays. You know, they, they're just uh, those were some missed opportunities out there. And you credit UMass for playing hard, but we had uh, – we had some plays where we tried to push it down the field. Uh, going into the UNLV game, coming off of Fresno, for example, you and I talked about hitting shot plays, and we didn't hit enough shot plays against UMass in order to get the ball in the end zone. Uh, from a defensive perspective, we didn't get any takeaways, and from a special teams perspective, we, we got the ball. Uh, they muffed a punt that we had a chance to recover and didn't get it. That could have been a big play turning point in the game, and then we had the onside kick opportunity, and it was the, our second of the year. And like I told our players, a good a good uh, team ought to be able to get about half of their onside kicks opportunities, and we're we're 0 for two. So, you know, those are it, hopefully games don't come down to one or two missed opportunities, but that one did, and we did not make the plays. Shot plays, first play of the game. You go to Jonah down the BYU team boundary. Uh, if you go back and look at that play, did you see PI when it happened again? I, it seems like I asked you the questions like this, yeah. not trying to get in trouble with the official, but did you yeah. see what what we thought we might have seen in terms of something they could have thrown the flag on on that first play? I did. Um, it, that could have been called, but I also saw what the officials saw and uh, the the stride. Jonah's stride wasn't broken, and uh, typically that's that's kind of the training point that they look for. If it's a gray area, they look to see if the stride of the receiver is broken. Jonah had his stride. He had an opportunity to catch the pass. Um, the contact was more up on the shoulder than in the arm area. And so they, so he deliberately decided to let the contact go. And the thing that I was pleased about with the, with the official is that he articulated that well. You know, I mean, he, he, we were upset. We, it could have been called. It could have been a big opportunity to get out early and get yeah. some momentum. But uh, that, that doesn't change the fact that there was some gray area there. He went to his training. He articulated what he saw. And right or wrong, he, he wants to make the right call. Good explanation. Uh, there was another shot play. Different situation, but a fourth and 20 uh, for BYU. play you have to make, I guess. And uh, it's a ball that Matt's got a shot to bring down. High ball, but a tall guy like Matt, you'd you, you send, yeah, let's go get it. It was. It was in both hands. He would tell you the same thing. He, that's one that he expects to make. It's one that he's been routine about making. It was in both hands without uh, any, any tip from the defense. It was, like you say, a, a high point ball, and those aren't easy to bring down. But uh, he, he did all the plays, you know. And, 99% of the play is the finish, and even though it only lasts for 1% of the play, that that's the part where we failed. But so generally reliable has been Matt Bushman, mm-hmm. a true freshman, uh, who set uh, BYU's freshman tight end records already, and he's among BYU's best ever freshmen at any position in terms of catches and yards. He'll be a good one. He will, and and right now, I mean, to be fair, he's a, he's a wide receiver. You know, he's a he lines up at tight end and and uh, matches up in that way. But he's he's one of our best wide receivers, and I mean that in a in a positive way. Sometimes tight ends, you know, he, the interpretation is with a tight end, he's not as good of a receiver. He's he's our one of our best receivers, or or maybe our best receiver. Your top target, yes, by far, yes. And uh, but yet, ultimately, he'll get bigger, stronger, stays a tight end. That that's what he is. He'll be a tight end for you. I think he has tremendous potential in in the tight end area, and it, and obviously, yeah, he's, he needs to get 
target his body weight to get up into the 250-plus range next year and his strength and then develop that part of his game a little more. That's very difficult for an athletic guy like him coming straight from baseball to to be that big and strong already. It'll be a confidence factor, and that comes with weight room. You have more defensive than offensive oversight, but that said, tight end position is one you hoped would be deeper this year than it was, and it just wasn't for a number of reasons. It'll get better next year. It, it will, yeah. The, the injury to uh, Moroni uh, really hurt us in that area. We felt like that those two guys would really offer a lot, and then and then we add in the blocking ability of JJ Nwigwe and, and Tanner Baldry. But uh, you know, when Moroni went down, then that uh, that left us with just one one target out there. And uh, when we got into tight end sets, we weren't as versatile as we probably could have been. You kind of uh, recapped a few of the uh, uh, high points from your areas of responsibility in the first segment, but I want to go back to field uh, to special teams for a moment and talk about the breakout game it was on punt return. Uh, Michael Shelton, I think I think it was double-digit returns on all six that he had. It was six for 86, and I think he was 10 or more on every return. So it was a big game for you guys that way. It, it was, yep, a, a big spark in that way. And, again, you know, going back to some previous conversations we've had on the year, I, I told you that uh, sometimes a good punt returner will just take a defensive stay. A defense is out there just to make sure the ball is kicked, and they, they return it. And, and we didn't keep our defense out there. We had, we had some assignments, but... Well, his longest return was actually a, a punt pressure. We had pressured it, and, and uh, UMass stayed in, kept a couple of guys in to protect it, and then uh, the guys that went down and covered weren't able to make the play on him. We picked a, up a couple blocks late, rallying back kind of like an, a defense would on interception. So just a, a lot of credit to the guys on the field doing their role, whatever that happened to be, and a lot of credit to Mike Shelton and, and not a lot of credit to, to me on that one other than putting the right guys on the field uh, because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that we had any type of guru punt return scheme. Their punter gave us an opportunity, put a couple of low trajectory kicks out there, and our guys were better than theirs. Uh, Player made plays. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, More from Coach Lamb coming up on our second segment with Coach. It is the Coordinator's Corner here at JCW's in Provo. Questions for Ed, hashtag CCBYU. We'll get to those later in the show. We're live at JCW's for the Coordinator's Corner on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Final coordinator's corner of the season, BYU at Hawaii, coming up a Saturday. It'll be the 7 o'clock Mountain Time kick with a 5 o'clock Mountain Time pregame. Special teams coordinator Ed Lamb with us here for our final half hour of the season. We hit Michael Shelton before the break, but the special teams in general on Saturday against UMass, you had a really good day. It was yeah, it was a, one of the, one of the top days. I thought the uh, the coverage teams were outstanding. We didn't get our usual kickoff hang time and placement um, out on the kickoff game, but the coverage guys went down and covered like crazy. Got them uh, right near or inside the 25 yard line twice. And then uh, the, the punt team, the, we, our guys compete for tackles on the season on punt coverage. Mm. And Johnny, it's been weeks since Johnny gave anybody an opportunity to make a tackle. He's had great hang time and ball placement. Got one out on a, what we call a cross kick, and that's that's a, you know, a fairly high percentage for us on, on a tough fielding for the opponent. Some teams will use two returners, and they put their, their uh, second best returner um, to, to our left. And uh, Johnny put one to the left this week. And it was a single returner system, but he had a rally to get over there, put the ball on the ground we that was a missed opportunity there i wish we would have got and the punt return team just worked incredibly hard they have been working hard for weeks it's been an area of of emphasis for all of us and it was great to see that that team get going zane downed one deep and almost downed another yeah he had one at the three yard line and then uh you know they they 
the idea on that and the coaching, he knows he's done it well. He had a he had a all time training film against uh, Southern Utah last year where he put one on caught one on the one. But it's the same rule as a wide receiver in college football anyway. The pros is different, but uh, in college football, if uh, if the coverage guy will establish one foot in bounds and make a clean catch, then that's uh, that'll be downed on on the wherever he last touched in bounds or or wherever he caught the ball in bounds and first touched it. And so uh, he, on the second one, he just kind of was trying to figure out where he was at on the field and trying to figure out whether he needed to bat it back. And he, looking back on it, he should have just caught it. Johnny Goodday punting. Brett Almond uh, makes a 40-yarder and has made 60 consecutive PATs now. Unfortunately, not a chance as four field goals or PATs on, yeah. on Saturday against yeah. UMass. That's right. Yeah, weren't enough. He delivered when uh, the, when he was called upon and did a great job with it. Um, and uh, he's, he's, uh, uh, that, the, the protection on that play was really good. The snap holding kick was really good, and that was the message coming out of the game is, hey, keep delivering when your number's called. Yeah. Three straight games, BYU hasn't scored in the first quarter, and uh, six times in 12 games they've been blanked in the first 15 minutes. Now, Coach, uh, you guys have coached 25 games together here at BYU. You've led after the first quarter just six times in 25 games, but you're 5-1 and one in those six. Uh, you know, no-brainer, get the lead, uh, score early, and hopefully uh, carry it to the end. But the slow starts have been something I know you guys want to remedy here. Uh, they are. They are. And that can be, I think, one of those things where uh, the more we emphasize that to the players, the more uh, pressure that we can put on them and get a negative impact. So it's not, uh, you don't I don't think that's on always on the players. It's yeah. de- it's, in my experience, it's definitely not on the pregame speech. Um, it's, you know, a lot of times there's uh, there's certainly a, a, a little bit of a luck factor as you come out and, and calling the right plays against the right defenses and getting some stops and field position on defense and special teams. But uh, in, in the end, you know, the, the the voice I always try to bring to our coaching staff when I have those opportunities is that it's it's us, it's not the players, it's us. And you know, I come from a, a school of coaching. The, the first coach I worked for had a saying, "We can beat theirs with ours, and we can beat ours with theirs." And uh, you know, we have to pr- approach it like that. And our players need to know that we have that kind of confidence and that kind of approach. When you look back at this season, where will you say that um, that, that that the genesis? of the difficulties maybe began if didn't continue throughout the season? What would you, what do you kind of look back and say, well, this was maybe the main thing that we had a struggle with or a trouble with in, in 2017? Is, does it come down to something like that, or is it just way too many things with too many weeks and too many oppositions to, to overgeneralize? I, I, I'd like to be more prepared to answer that. I, um, right now you know, I'm kind of thinking it through as I'm talking. And, and you're in it as well. You've got and, a game. And we are. Yeah. We're in the thick of it. And sometimes it's hard to see the, the, the trees while you're in the thick of it. It's it's uh, Each week there's definitely been something clear. And we've talked about uh, about many of those from weeks to week uh, as we've talked. But I think overall um, certainly we, we have got to have consistency in, in quarterback play and the ability to run the ball um, not only efficiently but often. And we haven't done those things uh, well enough this year offensively. Defensively, to be a good football team, we have to be in, in, the, in the plus in the turnover margin. And we have not been there this year. We, there's been a dip in our ability to take the ball away on yeah. defense. After a big year last year that way. After a big year last year. And, and a big part of that is, is close games and leading close games and making the opponent stretch a little bit and, and to get takeaways. But defense can and has the opportunity to get takeaways at any time. And we haven't done that and we haven't been as strong as I'd like to be on third down defense. That's another time when a lot of takeaways happen. The opponent has to stretch on every third down if the game's anywhere anywhere close. And uh, and we just and we haven't got it done in those areas. And then um, you know consistently our our return game 
um, in the special teams is an area that we could we can supplement field position. And I think that in the second half of the season, it's been much stronger than the first half of the season. Yeah. But uh, you know, by the second half of the season, we had a, a team that really was lacking confidence as well. And I think in going back into the first half of the season, I'd really like to see mm. more dynamic play out of that area, which I'm directly responsible for. First things you hit, uh, quarterback consistency and then run game volume, if you will. Both were, both came into play in the UMass game, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Joe had a tough day after a really nice day in Las Vegas, but his throw volume was well up and squally, and the carry volume was dialed back against yeah. uh, against UMass. Yeah. Yep, and, and I you know, I didn't I haven't paid attention to the, the down and distance and situation calls coming out of the game. Game, it's that's that's more of a general observation on my part. So it's it's well, hard. Third, third and nine point four was the average on Saturday, which is a season high. Tough yeah. to win at third and nine plus. Yep, tough to win and tough to have confidence to run the ball on third and nine. Um, so, you know, there were, I'm sure there were some opportunities there. Ty said it to the team this morning. Felt like that he took it upon himself uh, 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 the blame of not running the ball more. We ran the ball efficiently. I think we're over four yards a carry. Uh, with our running back position, and uh, and that's you know defensively, if you give up four yards of carry, you feel really really poorly. If the team will run it 50 times and put up 200 yards on you, and and so that we feel like that four yards of carry is a is a is a good um, target, and we probably should have ran the ball more. Uh, Ty would know more about which situations where he would have wanted to run it more. I, I haven't studied that the, the specific down and distance scenarios. Yeah, but a good a good run game in Vegas had BYU averaging about seven or eight yards per first down, and that number was dialed back to about under four uh, this past week against UMass, a rather lower number. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and your questions for Coach Ed Lamb in our final segment of the season coming up. It is hashtag CCBYU on Twitter to chat with Coach Ed Lamb on the Coordinator's Corner. We're live at JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so we are back for our final segment of the season on the Coordinator's Corner. Mondays, 12 to 1, all season long, we've been here with BYU's coordinators, our special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb, with us for the final segment in this season as BYU gets ready to play Hawaii in Hawaii on the weekend. Before we get to UH, Joe Critchlow, I kind of think of him as your guy since he committed to you at Southern Utah. Uh, his second start, not as good as his first, but what do you see or have you seen from him that bodes well for BYU's quarterbacking future? Well, Joe's got the demeanor that I like as a quarterback. I like him leading the team. I think the, he never gave up in the game. The team never gave up on him. Uh, we, we put him in situations that, that he wasn't ready for. There's no question. Um, he's... Uh, you know, to, to drop back pass uh, in third and long situations and second and long situations is just not that. That's not what he's been prepared for. He's he's only been taking repetitions uh, at a meaningful level for uh, less than a month in practice, and uh, he was he was just not ready to carry that much of the load. That uh, that showed in you know the fact that he didn't get rid of the ball, had some sacks. Sacks are always on everybody on offense. Uh, as as uh, Tyle, I'm sure would, would tell you, it's receivers getting open, offensive line picking up blocks, backs, etc. But um, I feel very confident about his ability going forward. The team around him has to rally. He's at some point in his career, he may be a guy that can can drop back pass in tough situations and carry us to victory. You know, when the rest of the team's not firing on all cylinders, but we need to have everybody firing on all cylinders in order to be successful this week. Not sure exactly what the quarterback situation will look like when you guys reconvene, say in the spring. Uh, does Joe has he done enough to give himself uh, like kind of leader in the clubhouse status in terms of a guy you look to kind of uh, uh, head the way uh, in next season? 
I think a, I think uh, this this game is this this week of preparation and this game is is going to be the telltale on that. Uh, if if we had ended on this week, I think we have to say you know at the end of this season, Joe, you were not ready to carry the team on your back, and it's always the job of the coaching staff to look for a guy that can put the team on his back at quarterback, look for a running back that can put the team on his back, a linebacker on defense. You know, at every position, that's the criteria. We we have to open up competition. Um, to find those guys, and, and so the only time that a guy would be an unquestioned starter is if he's shown that kind of ability, and he hasn't shown that yet. He's shown a ton of promise. We're super happy with him. We're excited about him, but uh, he needs to show this week that he can lead us to two out of three down the stretch on victories, and that would be a that would be a heck of a run for this season. Okay, uh, you say it's on the coaches. Uh, at the same time, players have to make plays. Jeffrey Butler on Twitter asks you, how does the coaching staff hold players accountable for mistakes that should have been learned or rectified? Oh, yeah, really good question. So our, um, every day for us begins with our correction meetings. Um, so, like, uh, for example, Monday is, a, is the correction from Saturday. Tuesday is the correction from Monday practice. And it, the day always begins with that. So the first thing the players do when they report is report to our team meeting room where we go through special teams and team overall team corrections. Coach Tataki may talk to them about... Um, you know, just maybe how the sideline demeanor or um, being ready to play, things like more of a general level. And then I get up and I talk about specific special teams corrections. I show video. I usually have a clips, uh, a group of clips of, say, 15 to 20 clips from the game, try to go through them as quickly as possible. Then we break up into offense and defense, big picture. Then we go into position groups. Each one of those meetings has a very specific cut-up, and the, we have a software program where the, the coaches' notes actually show up so that can be read by the players as we're coaching it. And the players get uh, grades as well. So uh, that's how corrections are. We're big into uh, public accountability, and so we want to meet together, and we want to point out uh, both the good and the bad uh, for each player so that we can inspire them to continue to perform well and correct what needs to be corrected. You mentioned a moment ago an example of something Kalani would talk about being sideline demeanor. Is that a real-life example? Has that been talked about? And is that the kind of thing that really comes into play in the course of a season with a team? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. Um, sideline demeanor, we can we can take it a number of different directions at different times during this season. Kalani has talked about sideline demeanor from those who don't play and uh, what they can bring to the game. And he's talked about sideline uh, demeanor from those who are, are playing in the game but maybe aren't on the field. And that's another type of sideline um, demeanor. You know, off, For example, what the starting offensive guys are doing while the defense is on the field and what the starting defensive guys are doing while the offense is on the field. You'll notice uh, if you pay attention to it that in a tight game down the stretch, uh, offense or defense will quickly make their adjustments and uh, say, okay, thanks, coach, I'd like to watch the game. And they get up and watch the game and cheer on their teammates. That's a big part of being a winning team, and it can't be something that's falsely manufactured, but I think just bringing awareness to it, Colin has done a good job of that. And then there's, uh, then there's the, the type of sideline demeanor from uh, players as they run on and off the field with confidence and aggressiveness. For example, after a turnover, does our defense you know, blame the offense and go onto the field lackluster and, and disappointed, or are they excited for another opportunity to play defense? And all those things from a head coaching level, they, they should be addressed and they are addressed. I would presume there's more to address in a 3-9 and nine season than 9-3 and three season. That would be apparent. But uh, overall, how do you think this team has dealt with the situation they're in at 3-9? and nine? Well, um, I, I think I think the team. I, I just don't look at it in in those ways very often, Greg. I mean, when when we ask guys 
Let me, let me say it this way. I believe that coaches get what they emphasize. And I think when we clearly, when we make our messages clear and when we ask for specific things, we always get those things. And so in, in any way that our players may have failed, uh, on the field, off the field, sideline demeanor, it's, uh, you know, I tend to think of it first as a coaching issue, as an emphasis issue. So it's hard for me to answer that question when, when you frame it in, in reference to the team. I feel like the team has done everything that we've asked of them, and I feel like that it's it's really us as coaches that need to work, uh, determine where we're at, where we have come up short, and how we can get better for these guys that, that we're obligated to coach to victories. Your approach is very top-down. Absolutely, yeah. And it's not going to change. It doesn't sound like it's it's going to be on you or on on the guys in the room. You think the coaching room? Yes, yes. Every every time it should be. I've learned that the hard way. As I said, it can be really difficult when we're right in the middle of the season. When we're when we're working so hard, doing everything that we can, it can be difficult to be critical of ourselves. The players are the same way. There's so much to be learned. And when we look back in an off season and some of the pressure is off and, and we can really be critical of ourselves, that's that's really difficult, I think, for anybody in any field of work is to, to really see what we lack, to have the self-awareness to, to see what we lack clearly. But I think um, as time goes on, uh, the best leaders are able to have um, maintain their, their self-confidence but also realize where they've been at fault in the past. Maybe 30 seconds on what you expect and or hope from this weekend in Hawaii? Um, I, I expect the players to, to show up and give their all to that game. Um, it's a, uh, you know, I, I really have talked to the specific guys that I'm in charge of already. This this is not about uh, uh, where the game is at. Hawaii is a vacation destination, but not, not when we're playing a football game. And it, and it would be the same if we were 12-0 and right now. This is, this is a game to, we're on a business trip. And we have the rest of our lives to to go and and save money and try to get to Hawaii on vacation. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, St. George or or Provo, Utah in the summertime is just as much fun as Hawaii. So there is going to be no relaxation for me. It is all about the game. All right. For Ed Lamb, I'm Greg Grubel. Thanks for tuning in on the Coordinator's Corner of the season. Ed, thank you for the season. All right. We'll talk to you next season on the Coordinator's Corner on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. So long from JCWs.